This week's episode is brought to you by the Film Rescue Show. The Film Rescue Show is a long-form podcast in which their crew and a guest fix a film every week. Want a good first episode? Check out episode 89 with Axel and myself, where he pitched fixes for the League of Extraordinary Drummond. Still waiting on that call, Warner Brothers. For fans of filmmaking, writing, and behind-the-scenes content, check out the Film Rescue Show on all your favorite podcasting sites today. Welcome to Geeks with Shields, your home for all things good and nerdy in this, the darkest timeline. I'm Lord Kevin Ulrich, and with me this week is... Slagator! Now, you may be wondering, what happened to Axel? Why isn't he here this week? Uh, Axel was picked up by a band of travelers attempting to return a ring. Apparently, they thought he was a hobbit. Turns out, he's just short and hairy. <laughs> Anyways... We've got a lot of great content, so let's roll right into our patrons sound off. These are people that give us monies to make bad jokes like that. They are Pam Galley, Marquis, Chris Chipman, River Galley, Krug, Arthur Crane, Kevin Vade, Brendan Enu, Kit Kenny, John Vinnell, Seth Decker, Donna Lucy, Patrick Anderson, Carson L, Scott Rubin, Derek Ducati, and Peter Cook. And if you'd like to join that illustrious legion, head on over at patreon.com forward slash geeks with shields. 25 cents an episode is a dollar a month. That keeps the lights on here at our productions and allows us to book great guests like we have right now. Now, since it is Lord of the Rings month and we've been talking Lord of the Rings with guests all month, guests, would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. I'm Ron Swallow. Um, I am uh, part of uh, The Greatest Pod with Ed Greer and uh, general nerd and comedian. Yeah, I feel like if you've been on the Internet in the nerdy circles, you're at least familiar with one of the projects you've worked on. Yeah, we've also done Rebooted um, and uh, Nerd Goat back in the day and a few other things. I've been on This Is Rad and, you know, all the nerdy circle stuff. Yeah, you've been, you've been in the nerd uh, spheres for a bit. It's a, it's a good sphere, by the way. It's, it's good people who like good things and fun things. And uh, it, it's, it's just a nice to be part of something that, uh, that used to be small and has gotten bigger and brought us all together. No, nerds, uh, we, we've taken over the world, and now we're, of course, having to sort all the dirty laundry that came with being, you know, big, but I've been yeah. saying, oh, nerds are eating good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I absolutely. mean, we got a billion or half million dollar Lord of the Rings series, we've got new Marvel shows every week, yeah. Sandman's a series, who's That's not insane. happy if you I mean, would ask me if, if if somebody told me Sandman was going to be made into a series when I was reading Sandman when I was a kid, I would have been like, you're crazy. Nobody's doing that. People are mad at me for reading this right now. Yeah, that was I have yet to read it, but I was always aware of it because I'm a huge gaming fan. And it's like that one feels too weird to be adapted. Yeah, that's what I thought, too. And they've done a pretty solid job. So, yeah, no, I'm just I'm impressed. And again, She-Hulk. We have She-Hulk. We have a Moon Knight series. That's I never crazy. thought I was going to get Moon Knight. I'm so yeah. happy we got Moon Knight, but I never thought I was going to get Moon Knight. Yeah, and it was it was different than I would have thought, but really enjoyable uh, as either way. So yeah, no. Any long-term listeners of the podcast know I'm a Moon Knight nut, and I love Moon Knight. Hell, we did a whole episode by episode breakdown of Moon Knight for our patrons. That's awesome. I'm sure they enjoyed that. Ed and I did a short version. Ed wasn't as happy as I was. Is Ed ever happy? Yes, but it takes a specific thing. It's usually John Wick. Yeah, that is true. I've noticed that. He loves John Wick. <laughs> like a lot. <laughs> Anyways, 
since it's Lord of the Rings month, we like to start these episodes with talking with our guests and figuring out, like, if you were dropped in Lord of the Rings during the Third Age, what race would you want to be? I have said Urukai because, listen, magic is leaving the world, and this is a pre-modern medicine, pre-industrial plumbing. I'm going to go with the big guys. Look like they're having fun. Okay, fair. So, Slagathor, uh, since this is the first time on, what do you want to be if you were dropped into Lord of the Rings during the Third Age today? Uh, well, it's going to have to be the elves, because I've always loved elves. I mean, ever since I was a wee youngin, and uh, I liked them in the movies and the books and everything else. And I know that they're dying, but who cares? <laughs> I get to be tall and skinny and dance around and fight people. So. I mean, going out on top's not bad. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a, it's a respectable pick. Uh, Ron, what are you thinking? Mm. This is a hard one, because, like, what's in the least danger? You know, when you yeah. think about worlds like this, you think about, like, like okay, sure, you, there's a part of you that goes, okay, well, can I, who who, who am I to be the bet, the badass, right? Like, you always, there's just, like, that first instinct is, like, I get to be the badass, so I'll, maybe I'll be a dwarf or, or an elf, because they're the, we can argue they're the most badass, because the humans are kind of, like, just okay at things. I'm a human now, so if yeah. I jumped in, yeah. I'm still me. That's why I picked Urukai. You don't see the Urukai at the back, you know, going, hold on, guys, let me catch my breath. Those yeah, fuckers are running a... 12 miles, and, you know, they're, they're dying happy. Yeah, exactly. So there's a part of me that wants to say an ant. Ooh. Yeah, just a giant tree walking around. This mm. kind of sounds fun. Yeah, I, I see that. that. They're, they're still in danger, um, what with, uh, for whatever reason, Mount Doom just loving fire and uh, and Sauron just loving fire so much. But, um, you know, still, it's, I think it'd be rad to be a giant walking tree. And you're probably pretty smart, too, because you've been around for, like, uh, like thousands of years or whatever, because you're a big, oh, yeah. tall, old-ass tree. So I'm going to go with the end. Yeah, and by and large, they just seem kind of content just to say good morning for 12 hours. <laughs> <laughs> and sing some and I mean, songs about leaves. Yeah, no, that actually sounds like, and you're going to get some fighting, but you, you you show up, you overthrow Isengard, and that's it. You're done. Yeah. You did your part. But yep. everyone remembers, like, you remember those giant trees that kicked ass? Yeah, they were great. Oh, no, they now? Choice. They're, they're back in a forest. Yeah, they, they did their thing. They showed up for five minutes of work, got all the credit, and went home. Yep, this sounds good. I've, I've yeah. Done, I've chosen well. <laughs> I, think you, I think you got the best answer so far. Uh, my co-host chose Hobbits, and I said... You don't know what happens to, you know, the Shire in the books, do you? <laughs> it's not great. No. I mean, even afterwards, magic is leaving the world. You know, I don't want to be any of the magical races because the world gets a lot more dull after this. But that's deep book stuff that I'm not sure our listeners are coming to this podcast for. No, probably not. I mean, nobody is anymore. <laughs> I don't know. There's plenty of good Lord of the Rings podcasts, but a lot of them are just targeted towards people that love the Lord of the Rings already. Yeah, exactly. So we're going to get into our main topic. We are doing a Pillars of Geekdom episode, if this is your first episode. Pillars of Geekdom is an idea we've had for a while, in that basically there are certain fandoms that you are a part of that kind of make up the greater nerd that is you. Yeah. And these are things we're introduced at various points, but they just kind of collectively reflect who you are. So, Ron, what is your pillar of geekdom that you're talking about with us today? Well, I mean, really, it's reading books, fantasy books specifically, specifically, which is 
which Lord of the Rings is how I got into reading all of the other books that I've read through, uh, you know, through 40 years of reading or whatever at this point. Um, and, and reading those books really started me. OK, it, I also got to explain a couple of things about me. Uh, I got into a lot of shit as a kid. Uh, I assume I can cuss. Yes. Uh, got into a lot of trouble uh, and was grounded a lot. And the one thing that I was allowed to do when I was grounded was read books. And uh, my dad had Lord of the Rings and Anne McCaffrey. And I read those books and a bunch of other books that I probably shouldn't have read, like Clan of the Cave, Cave Bear. And uh, <laughs> what is the weird, is it Friday from, from Heinlein, where it's like robots, robots fucking? Oh, God. Uh, There's a couple. Heinlein's got a couple of really weird ones. Are you talking about the one that also kind of racist? Yeah, that one's. That one's pretty bad, too. Yeah. yeah. I can't remember that yeah. off the top of my head, but that one gets really weird and really racist, yep. but also yep. kind of has enlightened views on transgenderism for the time. It's it's a messy, messy book. Yeah, yeah. Well, supposedly, and, and look, I don't know how true this is. This is one of those, like, uh, those, like uh, online uh, conversations that people have had. Supposedly, he had, like, a, uh, a tumor on uh, some part of his brain that was making him think of weird sex shit and weird... Uh, terrible things, and he had it removed and then wrote better books after that, supposedly. Um, I don't know how true this is. I it feel sounds like... like he's just a perv, and that was an excuse. Yes, that's what I, I thought, I've heard too. weirder excuses for you trying to get out of your kinks. Yes, yes. Look, look, I just want to fuck a robot because <laughs> I got a tumor on my brain. I don't understand. <laughs> Normally, I love fucking humans, but... <laughs> this tumor's making me really hard for the vacuum. Yeah, you know, <laughs> uh, or that vacuum is making me really hard for the vacuum. Anyways, what I'm saying is it sucks. And but because of all that, um, Lord of the Rings pretty much set up eventually reading like every Terry Brooks book, every David Eddings book, a bunch of Mercedes Lackey, uh, Ursula K. Le Guin, all these other fantasy books that uh, uh, I, I got to be part of, because the thing that's great about Lord of the Rings that I love so much about Lord of the Rings. And look, if you guys want to start making arguments about Lord of the Rings possibly also being racist, you're not wrong. Yeah. And every race being specifically a specific thing and they're all the same, that is not reality. But the one thing that was great about Lord of the Rings was that it puts you into a fantasy world and you're in that world. And, and while you're in that world, you don't have to think about how bad your parents are or how about a situation you're in? You get to sort of live somewhere else for a while. And all of the great fantasy books do that. And and Lord of the Rings is the one who started it, arguably. Oh, no, we did a whole episode talking about the good and bad of the Tolkien effect, of how Tolkien created the fantasy genre and how that's yeah. great. And that he built out this world. And that's awesome. But he also kind of locked us into viewing it through a very Eurocentric filter that we were trying yeah. to escape desperately. I do think it's funny that... When you got in trouble, you're grounded and you could read. And my parents were like, no, he enjoys that. We're not going to let him read. Yeah, great. Good job, parents. They caught on well, to that one. It's like, if he's in trouble, he shouldn't get to read. He does that anyways. Yeah, exactly. Well, and I, I probably hadn't been reading because when I was a kid, I was like, I really thought when I was, when I was like seven, I really thought I was going to be a pro football player. Um, and I don't know if you've ever... Uh, seen what I actually look like or been around me, but I am five foot seven and this is the biggest I've ever been and I'm 160 right now. 
And you could have been a big. kicker. <laughs> no, I could not have been. I couldn't be anything. When I was in high school, I was five foot seven and eighty-eight pounds my freshman year of high school. Oof. Not exaggerating. I mean, and not football, to make you football feel coaches too were bad. like, yeah, no, football coaches were like, uh, we have to let you play, but you're gonna die. <laughs> I mean, my brother, who has two loves in life, money and Lord of the Rings, was. A <laughs> was about that equal build when he was in high school and yeah. he played he was a quarterback but he got it because he was mean <laughs> that was his secret he got pissed off and would try and hurt other people there is that a there secret. is you've got to have that attitude when you play sports i also did not have that attitude i'm also not very competitive yeah which i think is probably bad for any sport you do yeah no he cheats at go fish yes he does <laughs> That is a famous story in my family is he cheats at go fish. That's hilarious. Also, <laughs> so you guys get along or not? Now I'm curious. Yes. M- more or less, I have five brothers in all, in total. Oh, dang. Yeah, I come from a big family. Oh, and ironically, dude. Yes, and he is the smallest of us. Like, uh, we, we make fun of him calling him the Hobbit because he loves Lord of the Rings. I think he is 5'5", five, five, and wow. he has... Flat, furry feet. That's hilarious. Every other brother is over six foot. What happened to him? Exactly. Yeah, he's the odd man out. We call, like I said, we call him the Hobbit because he's short and he loves beer and he has furry feet. But, I mean, uh, it sounds fun, though. Yeah, he's a blast. Just don't talk politics with him. <laughs> um, you got it. That won't. Uh, but no, he was the one that introduced me to Lord of the Rings because he had all the Bakshi and Rankin-Bass Lord oh, wow. was on VHS. Cool. And watching that as like a four-year-old with no context to what any of this was, yeah, both terrified me because there's some genuinely scary imagery, but yeah. also just kind of burns up. I want to know what this is. That's awesome. You know, and then like I no context, but it was like I I knew Lord of the Rings was something I knew of from a very early age. That's awesome, man. Like I didn't get to see those until I was a little bit older. I just picked books out of the shelf and just read them until there were no more books to pick. So Yeah. No, but that's like the first that's question. That's awesome. How did you first come to Lord of the Rings? Was it the books? Was it, you know, yeah. cultural osmosis? It was books. It was books. They were in the shelf. Nobody talked to me about it either. That's the other thing that was interesting. No, nobody really talked to me about the books. Um, I My parents were like, yeah, read whatever you want. So I read from the Bopsy Twins to Lord of the Rings, to Clan of the Cave Bear. And uh, when I read Lord of the Rings, though, it, it literally changed my life. I was like, this is a different world that I, that is so, it's, there's nothing to do. This is the thing. <laughs> I immediately knew this is the thing. I wanted to be an elf or a dwarf. <laughs> I, I I don't care. Like, or even I want to just be in the world watching this stuff happen. Like, I'd have been cool being a guy at the bar when everybody walks in and start singing about stuff that's like any of that would have been great for me and uh i couldn't stop reading them um i even read this this the word that i still cannot say to this day the similarly yeah no i can't say it either the big chunky reference book yeah and that is not a great read i just want to say this to you anybody who reads that i don't know why we have the patience for it (laughs) i tried to go back and read it again and was like why did i read this this is not it's his ideas it's his big reference book of things he wanted to add in but never got around to and listen i love and respect tolkien 
but he is not what I would call a good writer mm. in that not. his pacing's all over the place. Yep. yep. And that makes it very hard to read at times. Like, I tried to read the original trilogy, like, around the time those first movies came out, and it just kind of bounced off and going, oh, these are just dense. Like, I really enjoyed the hell out of The Hobbit, but these are kind of hard to get to. Yeah, it wasn't until I was in high school that I came back to it and was able to get into them. Yeah, The Hobbit is a tight, tight read. Yep. Um, and and I, I read all three of, uh, you know, the original series, and they are definitely a slow read. But I'm also one of those guys who thinks that there could have been even more walking in the movies. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Because, look, one of the things I enjoy is that that slice of life stuff where you're you're brought into this world. And this crazy person wrote a bunch of different languages for a book, like okay. like a maniac. That's what a maniac does. Like anytime you ever think you're nerdy or you create an entire fake language nerdy no you're not you're, you're not wrong and that's i think like a, i love my fantasy and my sci-fis that have a world yeah like oh boy i can really dig into this this was thought through i love that i kind of hate the paper thin ones and that's what kind of keeps me coming back to this is like i don't necessarily like these books because they're not written in this i like but I love the history and the language. And this feels like a fully thought out world. Like Tolkien yeah. would have been an incredible DM. Oh, yeah. Seriously. <laughs> I just imagine him and C.S. Lewis. It's like, all right, listen, we've been playing for four hours and you're still setting up the banquet hall. Come on. When does the adventure start? You won't appreciate it unless you hear the 12 verses of this awesome song I wrote. It's awesome. I'm curious. How, how did your co-host, what's your co-host name again? Uh, Slagathor. Or which one? The ones with us on the call? Yes. Slagathor. Hello. As, as, hi. How did you get into Lord of the Rings? Um, basically, my father. My father is the one that introduced me a lot to fantasy and honestly, pretty much everything that I love. Because um, I, I watched the movie first. And then in ninth grade, we read The Hobbit in advance in our advanced reading class and stuff. And that was the first book I read. And then once I hit high school, I tried to read the books, I'm, but I hate the books. I can't, I couldn't <laughs> even make it to chapter three. Um, so I'm kind of honestly, like, I love the series, like, just the whole of it and everything that it has to do. But I am, kind, I feel like I'm on the outs because I didn't read the books. I hate the books, but I love everything else. So I, I don't know. <laughs> well, it, it, this is, it's interesting that you say that because... I mean, look, and I, anybody out there who's listening and you're like, ooh, I loved those books. You probably did it. You just pushed through them. Look, they're, they're, they are the pillars of things. But you think about, you know who's also a pillar of things was Aristotle. True. Aristotle was a pillar of science, in fact, because he was one of the first people to even try to figure out things. And guess what? He was wrong about everything. Yeah. <laughs> everything. And, and the, sometimes where things start is not the best of the stuff. Um, I mean, even like my, probably who I would count as one of my favorite authors, Terry Brooks, he started out being sort of a Lord of the Rings. I don't want to say copy because it's a different, it's a different plot. It's a different world. But, you know, he had elves, he had dwarves, he had trolls, he had goblins. He, you know, he had, he had all the, all the gnomes and all the stuff that you, that you have that you probably got from Lord of the Rings. 
and they definitely were like they were definitely written in a way where it was like the thing we were talking about earlier where it's sort of racist it's like well nope uh uh gnomes are evil uh uh elves are good yeah. men men are sort of in between and you know like it was like all of that stuff that you already saw and then as he started writing you could see him at some point go oh no that's dumb Obviously, these are a group of people, and each group of people is going to be different within the group of people. Some are going to be good, some are going to be evil, some are going to be neutral, some are going to be all around in those things. And you can see his writing get better um, through all that. And uh, I would argue that Tolkien never did that because he was so busy trying to make three books perfect that he didn't write anything more. Yeah, no, and if you go and you look at the appendices, he was adding things and updating things and changing things as he went along. Like, uh, oh, I'm blanking on her name. Eowyn. Yeah. Arwen. 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 You could say Eowyn. She was created for his daughter who pointed out you don't have a lot of women in your in your story. And he went, there you huh, go. you're right. I don't. I should fix that. Yeah. And I mean, that we talk about it. Lord of the Rings is a great foundation for fantasy. We have been building off it. But this idea that we have to stay rigid and locked to it is dumb. Yes. Yeah. That's why it's a Pillars of Geekdom episode, because sometimes the pillars are the things that just started. And on top of the pillars is like a really cool dome made out of gold that looks beautiful, but and was made by paid laborers who were well paid. Okay. (laughs) I just want to point that out. There was a union. They were safe. There were regulations. And uh, and everything went great. Don't ask about the foundation. We're not worried about that. <laughs> there may or may not be bodies in the concrete. Listen. Yeah, don't ask about that part because not everything went great at that point, but it built something better. So, I think so we've, we've kind of talked around this, but I kind of want to just ask you anyways. Why do you love, you know, Lord Rings outside of it's a big, detailed, fun world? Is there anything else deeper to it? Um, well, you know what? The, the other thing that I loved about it was, first off, you said that he wasn't a great writer, but I do think that at, at times he really did paint a good picture. Um, mm-hmm. And 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 honestly, one of the things he did make was uh, make me understand was the value of friendship um, and and how important that is because as we all know, uh, uh, Frodo is not the hero. Samwise is the hero. We all know that when you really <laughs> get down to it, Samwise was the hero, and yeah. he's and and he's in uh, the books. They're, it's a little sketchier than the, than they made it in the movies. The movies makes it a little bit better because they're more like actual equals and friends, mm-hmm. and they they still are in the book because they're still close friends. But he's also sort of his servant. Yeah. And that comes out in the Bakshi version. It's like I'm not sure that Sam is 100% consenting on this adventure. Yeah, exactly. But he is also the guy who makes it happen. And I like that the story is about that is the most important part about the story, I think, is that is is really the line that Gandalf says that the most amazing things can be found in little packages, even though that's not probably in the book. That is the point of the books is that this the never underestimate the power of someone, um, no matter how small they are, what they look like, what their appearance is, because if with determination and friendship and working together. Uh, the, the 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 weakest group or the weakest looking group can accomplish the biggest tasks, and and that's probably what I really love about Lord of the Rings. It's the thing that made me 
partly made me start moving in the direction of having decent morals and uh, you know what? Probably being a little bit of a socialist. <laughs> oh, there's some very angry people that go, Lord of the Rings makes people socialists? What? Yeah. Oh, no. I mean, it's my argument for it. Uh, I do think it show, what it's showing is that cooperation between a team of people who would normally not get along uh, because of whatever rules uh, are supposed to be uh, uh, part of society uh, getting together, putting their brains together, putting their skills together to accomplish uh, a goal that actually saves people's lives. Yeah. No, that's, that's good. one of the things that's always bugging about the end of the Lord of the Rings is all the races came together to defeat this big evil. And then all the other races said, all right, well, we're going to leave now. Humanity, you got this, right? It's like, well, wait, yeah. wait, hold on. What? Y'all came together to make the point of when we didn't work together, that's when we couldn't beat this evil. But when we all came together, we won. But now you're just going to leave? Separately equal, man. Drink out of your own water fountain, okay? Um, sorry, that's a terrible joke. But no, that is <laughs> but that is basically what it is. And so, again, we find the holes in those stuffs. Uh, but you, every, every piece of art that anybody creates has a different like can be interpreted in different ways. And and I do feel like when you look at the best part of Lord of the Rings, at its core, it's about friendship and what that can, and the, pow the power of friendship and what that can create. Yeah, so. and I mean, let's be fair. Tolkien was born in the 1800s. Yeah. That yeah. is an entirely different, that is several different worlds from today. And the fact that he continued to grow and change as he grew older is a great testament to the importance of continuing to grow and change as you get older and recognize, hmm, this thing that, you know, I wrote here isn't as good now as it was then. Yep. Things aren't always going to stay the same. I mean, the dude opposed Nazis. He was he refused to let them publish Lord of the Rings in Nazi Germany. Like, I, that was I like, like that. No, you, you don't get my book. <laughs> you no, stop that. See, there you go. At least he, at least he did the right thing in that situation. The worst part would have been like, oh, I'm so happy that the Nazis were printing my book. I wish nobody else was printing my book. He could have done that, and he did it. I don't know. Could Lord of the Rings have ever recovered from the discovery that J.R. Tolkien was pro-Nazi? That would have no. been... No, because people already uh, think it's kind of racist. So Yeah, well, his description and treatment of the Easterlings leaves a lot to be desired. Yeah, yeah it does. It does. Again, to be fair, he never really expanded on that. That was, again, something he wrote in the margins. Yeah, but still, not great. Not great. And again, I mean, again, we've done, I think it's more important to look at like, all the great things that have come from the Lord of the Rings. Yeah, and, and let me talk about a few of those things, if you don't mind. Go right um, ahead. Uh, so because it's the pillars, I also want to talk about what that led to, which is, to me, better books. Um, uh Every like again, Terry Brooks is one of my favorite authors of all time. Great author, but it's led to even better stuff. Like uh, Ursula K. Le Guin, I think is 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 a great one of the best authors on the fucking planet, and she's definitely influenced by Tolkien. Um, and but went her own very interesting, way smarter way. Um, Brandon Sanderson. Um, uh, but we and at the same time, you still wouldn't get a lot of the stuff that we have. That's like super fun now, because arguably, I think a lot of this fantasy stuff led to this horror stuff, which is how you got vampires. 
and how yeah. you got werewolves. So every bit lit book that you've enjoyed by Patricia Briggs or or Ilana uh, Andrews or any of these other cool uh, bit lit novelists, Suki, the Suki Stackhouse novels, all those sort of things. Yep. To me, a lot of that came from Lord of the Rings in a way, a long way to it. But it, but we got these really fun, you know, novels of of romance and vampires and werewolves. And we also got uh, one of my favorite series uh, because he he literally has talked about how much he loved Lord of the Rings. It's by Jim Butcher, uh, The Dresden Files. Um, and if you guys haven't read The Dresden Files, uh, please read The Dresden Files. It's on yeah. my big to read pile because I've heard many people describe it as the pinnacle of good urban fantasy. It is It is probably some of the best urban fantasy uh, that I would ever suggest to anybody. It's... And it's and it's clear that he's drawn from from the the pillars of fantasy, but he's also done his own thing uh, within that world, and it and it it's just wonderful. Um, and also Mercedes Lackey, by the way, totally different than than Lord of the Rings, but also clearly pulled from Lord of the Rings to live in this big deep fantasy world where she uh, created a talking uh, horses that could talk to you mentally. And cool mages. And was one of the first gay characters I've ever read in a book was from Mercedes Lackey. Interesting. So, in yeah, the 90s. Gonna, oh, wow. Yeah, I was going to talk yeah. to you, uh, Slagthor, because I love fantasy, but I'm also way more nitpicky. You consume fantasy wholesale. Yeah. And I'm kind of curious if you have any books that you really feel were inspired by Tolkien. Because the only ones that come to mind, I don't want to steal it, but it's the whole uh, Ari Salvatore Drizzt series. Yeah, because I had um, jumped off, you know, the whole Lord of the Ring kick, and that's how I found the Drizzt series, because my father was also reading those, and he said it was pretty good, and I got into that, and that's how I got into, you know, that category of, you know, fantasy and stuff, but honestly, I can't do higher fantasy. It really, really bores me, so I have to do, like, the real, you know, fantastical type of stuff, because... I don't know. It's more entertaining for me. So but... you mean you don't do low fantasy, you do high fantasy. Is that one? You said you don't do high fantasy. <laughs> and then immediately described high fantasy. Well, I'm sorry, but I, I don't understand y'all's thing. I don't like that type of fantasy. I like this type of fantasy. Well, ironically, people misuse high fantasy and low fantasy all the time. But I'm not going to get into that one. Just Google the definitions. But yeah, I'm not even sure I know the definition. I've read thousands. Of the shorthand is high fantasy is stuff that's easy to understand. Low fantasy is stuff. It's hard to understand. Oh, that's interesting. I would that's how it's supposed. It that's how it's supposed to be treated. Is you know, high fantasy. It's got lots of high elements. It's easy to grasp onto. Low fantasies where it introduces more complex mechanics and. But it gets so frequently misused. So now we just kind of use the other one. Low fantasy is Conan. High fantasy is I don't know. I can't think of a good high fantasy example. But Lord of the Rings is smack dab middle fantasy. Oh, interesting. Because high. Well, I mean, there's very little magic. It's kind of set in a real world. Uh, some of the H.P. Lovecraft kind of his weird cosmic stuff. That's more high fantasy than high concept weirdness. Yeah, but. Oh, OK. I, so wait, go wait. on, Kelly. I'm sorry. Oh, no, I don't even remember what I was going to say. We're getting lost in the definitions of high fantasy and low fantasy and how I we know, use it. And how we're we're moving on to what he wants to say. <laughs> Oh, well, basically, uh, that sounded weird to me, because didn't you say high fantasy is not complicated? 
That's how it's supposed to be. But I'm saying of how we use it, it's in. Oh, yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. I, that's how I would generally think to, to do it because you don't think of low as complicated. You know what I mean? Nope. Low sounds like there's less things in it because it's low. Yeah. Well, it also kind of sounds like, you know, like the bottom of the barrel or something, at least to me. It yeah. almost sounds insulting to me. The, like, yeah. oh, that, that's barely fantasy. Well, that to me kind of comes because people that like low fantasy love to say, I don't like fantasy unless it's low fantasy. And then they preface it with, this is why I don't like fantasy. And it's like, okay, listen, it's okay if you don't like magic and wizards, but don't try and disparage the genre as a whole just because you like Conan the Barbarian. And Conan's great. Yeah, okay, interesting. So is is Game of Thrones count as low then? Game of Thrones is very low fantasy. Like basically the bar is if it has complicated magic system, high fantasy. If it has simple magic system, low fantasy. That's the general way it's treated. Okay. But, no, that makes sense now. That actually does yeah. make sense to me. I don't know. I've been on record. I don't like using creating genres or things like that outside of basic directories because I feel like it gets used to go, well, this one's good and this one's bad. Yeah, and that's this not is this. correct. Yeah, and I, so I don't like describing terms because, again, people so often misuse low fantasy because they look at like one aspect of it going, well, it's this part of the world it's very simple and ground i'm like yeah but over here in the margins they've got dudes on dragon back throwing fireballs just because this part is low fantasy doesn't mean and again people have different pick different parts of fantasy they like Mm -hmm. look i want some fun magic all right i I didn't come to this world to have like political uh machinations if that's in there great but i'm not i want to i want to ride a dragon i want to throw lightning from my fingers and uh maybe curve some bullets i don't know something interesting i want some escapism (laughs) yeah yeah no and going back to a time where people died shitting themselves to death in a ditch yeah Eh. that's good i want somebody to heal that with like their mind magic yeah no that's always the funny one it's like well they just have healing magic so it's not technically fantasy it's like listen it's okay to admit you like fantasy (laughs) yes that doesn't mean you like wizards or magic it just means you like this fantastical element yeah which Kind of circling back to Lord of the Rings, I think is funny is so many people die hard love Lord of the Rings, mm-hmm. love the movies, yeah. love the years. But yes, will you like fantasy? Oh no, I don't like any of that magic shit. It's like, okay. dude, you just watched a movie with giant tree men fighting giant monsters and shadow dudes on dragonback. What do you call that? Yeah, but I guess there isn't a ton of magic in Lord of the Rings if you think about it. It seems oh, like okay. a magical world, but there's just Gandalf and a few wizards. And even then, they don't do a lot either, so... Well, that was, yeah. Tolkien had a very simple idea of magic was, well, you're just really good at writing songs. Or you're just really good <laughs> at making shit. Yeah. Or you have really strong tools. And even that kind of got, you know, drawn up. Like, well, that's cool, but my idea of magic is melting my enemies. So <laughs> that's what Wizards well, do. So that's so interesting. So you guys are super into RPGs, right? I am. Yeah. So... Do we think a lot of the RPGs that we, you know, especially let's just call it Dungeons and Dragons, Dungeons and Dragons, that kind of comes from Lord of the Rings, right? Oh, 100%. Yeah. So that's so interesting because there's obviously a ton of magic in Dungeons and Dragons, and there is not much. There's no mage in, you know, there's not a sorcerer, there's not a... There's only a couple of wizards. There's no clerics. You know what I mean? There's no, like, all the stuff that we have 
from Dungeons and Dragons is not in Lord of the Rings, but it definitely draws from Lord of the Rings. Yeah. No, it's 100%. And that's why I think this is such an interesting pillar for you is your love of Lord of the Rings kind of created your love of fantasy. And you yep. you kind of read Lord of the Rings like, wow, that was great, but I want more. And then that kind of branched you off into all these interesting paths to, you know, greater and lesser degrees of magic and mysticism. And it's like, oh, this is just like that book I loved. And that's why I think it's like the biggest strength of Lord of the Rings is it's a gateway. Yep. It's a and that's gateway why I'm always, I'm always so confused when people like love Lord of the Rings, but, like, but I don't read fantasy. It's like, are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe it's you like this, found the right one for you. Exactly. Yeah. It's like the Spider-Man clone saga. Oh, no. <laughs> from the 90s. Yeah. I know. It's not, I... it's, it's not a good run of comics, but it got a crap load of people into reading better comics. That is true. It really did. A lot of people were like, wait, there's a clone of Spider-Man? This is insane. And they started reading it, and they're like, this is not great, but I'm going to keep reading it. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, they were reading X-Men, and they were reading, you know, better books getting into Watchmen and whatever other cool stuff that came out in, in that time period. But a lot of people started off because they were like, oh, you know, I've seen Spider-Man in the cartoon. I'll go check this out. And then, oh, it's got a clone? This is crazy. Who's this traveler guy? What's happening? Um, and then it turned into a love of better stuff. So I I'm mean, sorry I just compared. Good. I'm sorry, what? I said any entry point is good. Right? And look, like, did I just compare the Spider-Man clone saga to Lord of the Rings, probably unfairly. Yeah, sure. <laughs> sure I did. You can make a lot of friends. You know that? <laughs> Those Lord of the Rings fans are real touchy about the quote-unquote sanctity of J.R. Tolkien. Yeah. <laughs> and you just well, compared, <laughs> which is dumb. Fuck that shit. He's a man, well, not a god. That's right. And, and look, but also look, for those of you that are listening uh, and are kind of like, oh, that, that, Lord of the Rings is better. It is... I think it is also better, but it's also definitely not as good as a lot of the writers that you'll see today. Like, nope. not even close. And I guess I should rephrase. So, Tolkien, I'm not saying Tolkien's a bad writer. I'm saying he lacked certain skills that a lot yeah. of contemporary writers have. Yeah, and one of those big ones is pacing. And like, if you are picking, here's my advice. If you're picking up Fellowship of the Ring, feel free to skip ahead. Yes. Because what kills so many people trying to get into that book is the buildup to the journey to begin to even start this story. That's how I died. They spend so goddamn long in the Shire just, all right, we're going to go on this adventure. We better pack all our supplies. This adventure is going to be thing 200 pages later. All right, ready, <laughs> almost ready to leave the Shire. wonder what happened to Gandalf. I'm going to say another thing that's offensive, too, right now. Uh, that's... <laughs> That's how I feel when I read Stephen King. Yes, me too. <laughs> okay, you're not wrong. I can never, the only book, I've only been able to read two of his books, Gerald's Game and um, Mercy? Misery. Misery, okay. there we go. See? And, but other than that, I cannot, I own the It book because I absolutely freaking love the movies and everything else, but I cannot read it. You mean you can't get through yeah. the 10 pages of who has the biggest, brownest butthole? I can't even get to page 10. Because it is so confusing. And not only is it confusing, but it's like, like okay, I started reading The Stand. Oh, boy. 348 pages of people dying. Yeah. No plot movement. Nope. No plot movement. Great writing, by the way. The yep. guy paints a picture. You can see yep. every single thing he's saying. But, but what, I just need some plot movement. You want to talk about pacing? Please make something happen that... <laughs> 
explains why everybody's dying. In between the people dying. Just one little hint, please. See, I like Stephen King. I do not like The Stand because I had okay. that problem. I gave up on The Stand. I'm like, okay, I have been reading this doorstop for a while now. And nothing interesting has happened. And I know yeah, how this I... ends. And I know that I'm not enjoying it now. And I know the ending doesn't pay off. I have no interest. But it's an interesting comparison because Stephen King builds the hell out of his worlds. Yes. Yeah. Kind of like Tolkien does. Like Tolkien describes the tr- makeup of the trees in the force yes. and paints that picture for you. Stephen King does it with, you know, the surrounding area. But if it works for you, I think it works for you. And that's I, I think that's the issue here. Like some people love Tolkien. They sit down, they read all the appendices. They can get his, I think it's a writing style thing, honestly. Yeah. And it's kind of funny that you bring up Stephen King because even Stephen King has built his own collective world. Yep. Yep. And interconnected it all. And I think that's kind of like the interesting creativity of authors. Eventually they're like, this is fun. But now I want to, you know, really flex my creative muscles and see if I can create a whole world with this. Yeah, it do- that does make it interesting. And I want to read the, um, I guess, what is it? The Gunslingers ones? Yeah, The Dark Tower. That's one I've yeah. never read. But again, my brother that loves Lord of the Rings loves The Dark Tower. Doesn't like Stephen King. But again, he's a fantasy nut. I tried reading those books in sixth grade. So boring. Don't do it. I've heard no, skip you didn't like the them. first book, read the second book, and then come back to the first book. Uh, That's what I've ugh. been told. I don't like that. That's like when someone's like, look, you just got to watch the first two seasons, and then yep. it gets good. No, no. You know what? Look, am I am I a show for this? Maybe. But <laughs> the first episode of Supernatural was good. I liked yes. it immediately, and, I, and then I watched 15 seasons of it. <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't care what you say, by the way, if you haven't watched it and you're like, ugh, it's CW. You didn't watch, you don't know what you're talking about. Get in there yeah. and watch it. Supernatural is great for four seasons, good yeah. for another six, yeah. and then mileage varies thereafter. Yeah. Well, look, season six was not good, and there were a few bad seasons of course because there were 15 seasons and they switched back and forth season six is the um the weird monsters from from the leviathans yeah leviathans see we like the leviathans or is i like the leviathans do you remember leviathans you're giving me a blank look yeah no i don't know they're the ones that eat everybody Um. (laughs) it's it's, it's the season where uh we lose my favorite character oh no bobby (laughs) yeah Le- uh, the Leviathans were good, but oh yeah, I remember. But there were not, there was not many. There were the thing about that. Okay, well we don't need to go into this because we're talking about <laughs> something else. We're not, we're not we'll on post Facebook. Supernatural episode. Yeah, <laughs> I would love. I I'm obsessed with Supernatural, so I would love to have a Supernatural episode. We've been wanting but, to do a Supernatural episode for a while because I think everyone on the podcast has various degrees of love for supernatural. Yes. Slagathor loves it. I'm pretty fond of it. Axel's like, I dropped out and never came back, but what I watched was good. Yeah. I just was amazed. Cause look, the CW has some great concepts for shows. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then a lot of times they don't fucking deliver. It's nope. like this great concept and it's bad writing. And then you're in this and you're like, this is like written by, people who write soap operas or something. And then Supernatural was like funny and genuine 
didn't take themselves too seriously because they were even willing to make fun of themselves in their own show. I mean, I, it was they just did such a great job writing that. The writing in that show is miles above what you expect it to be. So maybe part of that was my expectations were like, oh, okay, I'll go watch this two brothers hunting bad guys thing. And then it was like, oh, this is like a family of cool, interesting people who are funny. So. Don't worry, we, we'll get you back on at some point yeah. for a Supernatural episode. We've had that one in the backlog for a while. Like, we should do an episode on Supernatural. Yeah, I've got a lot to say. <laughs> but that Sweet. means I have to watch the final season. And, oh, the thing Yeah, are... I have a problem with the final season. But that's actually I not true. Yet. <gasps> I won't say anything. Because <laughs> I'm trying to wait till he's ready to watch it so we can watch it together because we've watched every season together. But... I really want to watch it, but he doesn't want to watch it. So I haven't seen it yet. Well, I guess yeah, you're going to have to now. I know, exactly. I'm pretty happy <laughs> <laughs> I have brought this to fruition. I am Sauron, the man who makes you watch Supernatural. Okay, so quick question. Or last question. Sure. Or last question. What does your love of Lord of the Rings say about you? Oh, that's a great question because I don't know what it says. Um, <laughs> this is... a I, I know that's weird, but it's like, what does it say about me? The, like, what does it say to other people uh, that I'm a weirdo? I don't know. I like yeah, elves. Okay, no, you're not a weirdo. Okay, this is one of the most beloved film and fantasy franchises of all time. It is. We talk about it. It is. And it's not like loving Game of Thrones where people kind of go, you, so you want to fuck your Game cousin? of Thrones? Okay. I mean, that comes with baggage. If you say you love Lord of the Rings, they're like, yeah, why wouldn't you? They're I, great. I have a Lord of the Rings set, too. Nice. Um, I I think it says that I, you know, I love fantasy and I love the idea of escapism and and being in a different world of magic and and adventure. Um, and I think it also says, like I said earlier, uh, that I am super into uh, the idea of people, people being people being able to accomplish things that you would never expect. I think that's it. I think that's a big thing for me. Yeah, I was going to say you kind of stumbled on it earlier when you just said you know that it kind of shaped your belief in that collectively working together anything's possible like we can do great things if we collectively work together yep that's that's definitely what it says about me it's the thing that i i try to look for in my my own stuff and uh it took me a long time to learn it it's so funny about the things that like something will teach you early on that you'll then ignore for most of your life because i I mostly was a loner for a long time. Like, don't get me wrong, I've had friends and stuff. But it's always this, I always had this attitude, I've got to get this done by myself. No one's ever going to help you. No one's ever going to help you. Well, that's not true. When 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 people uh, love each other, they come together and and help each other. That's just kind of how it works. And and it's the coolest thing about human beings that that is that, that exists today is that when somebody really cares about a thing and you make friends that care about those things. They come. They come together. They, they're gonna make it happen. And uh, yeah. it gives me some hope, even about our current world, which is a, a fucking mess. <laughs> there is there is still a tiny bit of hope in me because there are a bunch of people who want to fix this stuff. So yeah. okay, so you're a big soft. I am absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. I, I, I it's so funny what people connect to because like sure I do love an elf kicking ass and a dwarf swinging an axe and a hobbit sneakily uh, uh, stealing something or, or getting somewhere he needs to get without people noticing. But 
I also just love the idea of being kind to people and uh, and helping and helping people out as much as you possibly can. Can I have twenty dollars? <laughs> Let me check my bank account. <laughs> no, that's a great answer. And I, I mean, I think one of my favorite things is Tolkien. You know, you said multiple times doesn't like allegory, doesn't believe in allegory. The Lord of the Rings isn't allegory for anything. And I look at yep. it and I go, that may be your stamp. But this is very much written as by a man who's processing the traumas of, you know, going to war. Yep. Because so much of this is about banding together with your friends to accomplish impossible odds and caring and protecting for each other and going through this collectively. Yep. And the importance of needing to be collectively together. Yeah, I agree. There was tons of badasses in each of these, like each of these groups each of these characters have is badass at their own thing, but they would not have been able to accomplish what they needed to accomplish by themselves. Yeah, no, the fellowship fails because Boromir tried to act in his own best interest. Yep. Yep. And that was like Tolkien going, listen, it doesn't work if we don't all work together. If one person tries to go, well, I have the right idea, the whole thing falls apart. Yep. And I love Boromir. He's a great character. Sean Bean knocked it out of the park. But that is... The broad face message of that character. Yep. All right. Dang. Last things last. Uh, we've all seen the first couple episodes of The Rings of Power. Ooh, yes. Slagathor yeah. and I have both talked about it on Twitter. We loved it. We were excited for it. Uh, Ron, what are your feelings towards this series? I am loving it. Um, here's the thing. Uh, I've, I've seen some people say it's boring. Um, I say to you, read a goddamn book. Okay? <laughs> because here's the thing. This is paced like a book so far. Yes. And it li- I feel like I'm in a book, yep. and I fucking love it because of that. Um, it looks beautiful. The action is great so far. And uh, and the thing, but the thing that I liked the best, the thing that I can pick out right away in the first episode, well, there's two things. The, the, the In the first episode, it's the kids eating the berries. Yeah. And, and having such a great time and being so joyful just eating berries because that's, like, the fun thing that they did together. That slice-of-life um, moment it just really hit me, like, oh, man. I, I, you know, you, you, as, as a person, you, you, you forget to enjoy those things, eating a bite of chocolate and how much, how, like, delicious it is and how it makes you feel in that moment. And that sort of like pulls from that. So I really love that. And then the, um, oh man, I'm forgetting the character's names off the top of my head, but the dwarf and the elf hanging out sort of oh, halfway talking Jared shit. and Elrond. Yes. I loved oh. everything with the dwarves. The dwarves were great, but halfway through that, Slagathar turned to me and said, these are your people. He's not <laughs> his friend. And he's not talking to his friend about it. Instead, they're, bra- they're having a rock breaking contest. These are your people. And I laughed and said, you're not wrong. <laughs> I feel very called out by this whole exchange. <laughs> but it was awesome. And, yes. and, uh, and, and they're, really pulling, they're really pulling you into this is – and why I want to say that I be patient with this. Because if they're doing it the way I think they're doing it, what they're trying to do is create a world you care about. So yeah. when terrible things start happening – you care about those characters and the terrible things that are happening to them. Yeah. No, I, I love that you also 
think like us that it read it plays like you're reading a book because we got to that first episode. Yeah. This is like reading an incredible fantasy story. I'm just, I'm so into it. I'm having so much fun. Which was a nice surprise yeah. because we really didn't know what to think of it going in, especially with the, like the, the, the trailers, the trailers and didn't stuff. Didn't inspire. No, I wasn't at all really excited about this and I was kind of eh about starting it. But as soon as it started, I was immediately drawn in. It was very nice. Yeah. And, and no. what I really liked is they didn't try to, they didn't try to Game of Thrones it. You nope. know what I mean? They didn't try to put a bunch of elves fucking in there, even though, look, if you want to make an elves fucking fantasy show, I'll watch that. <laughs> but but at the same time, they didn't try to do that. You know what I mean? They just were like, this is the story. This is the pacing. This is what we want it to look like. And they really, they I think they knocked that out of the park. So. Now I'm wondering um, how elf fucking is different than human fucking. It has to go on oh, long, right? It's not. It, they just have cool ears. They're probably more flexible. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, they've, well, they've lived for a long time, so they're into really kinky shit, too. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you can't just keep doing missionary for a thousand years. HBO Max. I know. HBO is burning everything you're on. Netflix. Get on that. Let's make uh, <laughs> let's make an in-depth series on, on how the various races of Middle Earth fuck. <laughs> you know what? That sounds more like an anime, but I'm into it. It might be cheaper. Yeah. Let's no, do it. Like, Netflix the, loves to make original anime. Let's let's, let's get on it, Netflix. Netflix You're listening right, Brian. Well, while it's still around, Netflix, their animation department's been knocking some great stuff out. They have. All right. Well, let's roll into the last part of the podcast. Let's talk suggestions of the week. Uh, just these are things we've been enjoying this week that we wanted to talk about. I will kick it off because I just finished a really good series of books called the Armored Saint Trilogy by Mike Cole. And this is, I would describe this very much as kind of a low fantasy setting. And I've been struggling with how best to describe it to someone. And the best way I can do it is imagine if you read, imagine Joan of Arc, but with a mech suit. Okay. And then it's basically this story about this girl who leads a, kind of religious uprising in a steam-powered mech suit against a tyrannical holy order. Wow, that sounds yeah. fun as hell. And she she just gets the shit beat out of her. It's a very brutal book. Like, the brutality is interesting, because uh, Mike Cole, the author, had only ever written military, sci- military fiction before, and he wanted to oh, try okay. his hand at fantasy, and this was his first in fantasy. So it's got a little bit of magic, it's got a bit of different, you know, elements, but it's kind of grounded in just the brutality of fighting in a medieval setting, and they're really quick, easy reads, but it's a really interesting book, and the, you're not going to be able to guess where the book is going a lot of the times. Like, they just have these weird swerves at the end, you go, wait a second, what the hell? That and if you're like me, and you like 40k, it is very heavily, you can see the inspiration that's taken over from Warhammer in a lot of its okay. uh, world settings. But no, it's a real fun fantasy series. If you you kind of think you like fantasy or you don't like fantasy, try this trilogy out. It's a great, simple, baby's first fantasy if you're just looking for something that doesn't have a bunch of wizards and stuff. Awesome. So my suggestion is kind of a bit premature sort of because i just started playing it um and i know i'm behind on the times of it but we just recently got a playstation and stuff so but anyway i picked up far cry 6 and i've been playing it and i don't know like i said i'm only like maybe 
right past the prologue part. I mean, considering because they've got like an opening like prologue story that lasts a couple hours before you get into the main stuff. But I don't know. It's like I said, it's a bit premature because I'm hardly into it. But I like it a lot because I love how open world it feels like there's a bunch of things for you to go and capture to take away from, the, you know, I don't really know what to call them because I don't really understand this whole dictatorship thing that's going on and stuff and all the lingo that goes with it. But let's just say bad people like you, you know, you take over fuel depots and stuff like that. And it's it's a far cry game. If you if they haven't changed the formula, it's still. I know, good. but I also like it because the dictator guy, he has the same accent as the um, leader from uh, Tropical Six. So it makes oh, me, God. It, it very much makes me feel like I'm back in Tropical Six. So you're playing the inverse. <laughs> Of Tropico, you're trying to overtake yes. El Presidente. Yes, and I every time he comes on, I always call him El Presidente. It makes me think of Tropical Six. So yeah, that's my <laughs> that's my. I don't know. I didn't really have anything else, but that's what I've been playing the crap out of and really been enjoying. So nice. Is that PS5 or PS4? Well, PS4. Because no one can get a PS5 right. We, now. Yeah. yeah, we still can't get. PS5. And then they just announced they're raising the price on them, and it's like, what the fuck? Yeah. Like, I guess we're never getting this. Exactly. That's fine. The PlayStation, you know, 4 still runs fine. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. Uh, I played, I, I finally finished Spider-Man. I was waiting to do it because I wanted to try to get as much stuff, and I was also sad about finishing it, even though you can still play afterwards. Yeah. Just, yeah. Yeah. So, but I finished it. It's pretty great. <laughs> so what's your suggestion? Um, I'm going to go with The Iron Druid Chronicles by Kevin Hearn. It's, uh... I think it's seven or eight books now there's um, a lot of them i've read like six or seven of them i never yeah. finished it because the when i would last stopped reading them they hadn't published the last book yet yeah there's i think he's finally finished it. i think it's to eight now it, uh, it's it, it might be more um but uh it's they're they're great and um they're fast reads um interesting character makes tons of mistakes and those mistakes cost people and the world like a lot of stuff and real uh, uh, i really like this run of books and the reason i like it is because it's a it's a it's a great character art between a guy you think is really cool but is actually kind of selfish and then becomes less selfish and better uh through meeting lots of people his dog talks to him and it's hilarious there's just it's just a great run of books that's really easy to read guy paints a picture as well so you get like a lot of the stuff that you want out of a fantasy world there's good magic in it interesting bad guys and gods and myths and stuff yeah, like it's, that it's and an urban fantasy series yeah i, I would actually re suggest kevin hearn in general you could read any of his books they're all good i haven't read one book that i was like ah this isn't for me uh, all of them have been great i want to branch out and read more of this i need to finish this series because i picked it up years ago and then burned through them like oh this is really good i have my issues with it but no this is overall really enjoyable yeah and he gets much better he gets just keeps getting better his yes, newer books are do. just even better so yes oh, okay that sounded and, weird and look also i'm just gonna throw this out here for some bit lit and that's uh the patricia briggs um uh what are they i think it's called moon called uh that's the first book What's her? Uh, oh, the Mercy Thompson series. It's uh, it's just werewolves and vampires and adventure and romance. And it's look is is it is it schlock? Probably. I love it. 
it's fast-paced reads with interesting characters and that are badass and that's basically it i'm not imagining this. you just talked about this on the greatest pod yes yes i've talked about it a couple times okay. i've been obsessively I reading like, wait I, a I second burned, this I sounds familiar through, i burned through the first six in like a month no i remember i kind of this was in my mind because the way you pitched it I start out with like, I don't know. But then by the end of your pitch, like, okay, Ron, you, you actually sold me. I'm going to have to check this out. This actually sounds interesting. Yeah, it's pretty great. Well, as a thank you for coming on and talking with us, uh, we're going to give you this little section to shout out, plug, whatever you want. Just well, you ahead. just said it. Listen to The Greatest Pod, you guys. Uh, it's a podcast Ed and, uh, Ed and I own. It's our podcast. Nerd Goat, somebody else owned. And we were like, we got to stop doing this because they keep wanting to take our money. And uh, they don't really do a lot for us. So this is ours. We own it. It's the greatest pod. It also allows us to talk about a bunch of different subjects. So on NerdGo, we would just talk about, like, what's, who's your favorite fictional character? Now we've done stuff from, like, uh, the greatest missed opportunity for a redemption story uh, is Darth Vader. And that was the Iron Druid Chronicles writer Kevin Hearn on our podcast talking about it. We had the difference between uh, a professional artists and amateur artists, and we had Jeff Johnson on talking about that. So, like, we've we've like got a, a varying subjects, all having to do with being creative, and with uh, nerd culture in general. I love it. Then I'm also on Reboot It, and uh, if you guys haven't watched Reboot It, it is uh, basically the first part of it is the four of us talking about. Um, it's like four of us kind of like we're producers and somebody makes us reboot a movie that nobody should ever reboot. <laughs> so like Back to the Future or uh, Terminator or any of the other movies that people hold, uh, you know, sacrosanct, we reboot it. Um, and then we also started Movie Mashup where we basically take a movie and a genre uh, and then we have to make it. So like we did... Um, uh, the Mighty Ducks as oh, a God, Cronenberg the episode. Yeah, the Mighty Ducks is a Cronenberg body horror ep- uh, uh, movie, and we have to come up with it's crazy a movie in 30 minutes. So it's a lot of fun. So if you guys are uh, into that, check out our YouTube channel, reboot it, or listen to the Greatest Pod. And that's it for a very long plug. Thank you guys. Oh, also <laughs> before we go, sorry, look, follow me at Ron Swallow or at Dorky Swallow on any of the social medias because in November. I have a comedy album call, coming out called On the Wing of a Dragon, and nice. I want everybody to buy it. It's awesome. I do uh, I do like 20 minutes of nerd material in it that works for regular people, too. So yeah, I'm excited about it. Now, I will co-sign all those podcasts. I'm a long-term fan. Uh, if you're looking for a good, my favorite first episode of people for Rebooted, I do the G.I. Joe one. Oh, and yeah. That's be, I think that I, I want to see that one, and you guys, that was a hard kind of one to get around make work especially yeah, it was. and uh yeah no the mighty ducks episode i think is a great one because it's such a difficult pitch to make <laughs> work it really is it was so fun but no, that's the funnest that. thing about the movie mashup one by the way is like it's 30 minutes of basically improving a story and it's yep. it's a it's a blast no you guys need to copyright that and make a board game before somebody else does my God, yes, we do. I'm going to talk to them right now. Because I, I watch, like, this is a party game waiting to happen. Oh, man, it is. That would be so fun. 
All right. Well, thanks for coming on and talking with us. And thank you all for listening. Be sure to like, share, subscribe, do all the things that the podcast algorithm demands of you. Because if you don't, then we will disappear. And we'll never get to have Ron back on to do that two-hour supernatural episode where we talk about Dean's love of pie and why it's important to his character. <laughs> why it's important to his character. All it right. Is. You can find us on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, Pocket Cast, Spotify, Hot Radio, and FiresideAlliance.com. If you really like to help the podcast grow, you can now rate us on Spotify. As always, this has been Lord Commander Ulrich. And your shield brother, Axel Wright. Be sure to tune in next time, and as always, stay honorable. <laughs>